The Gist is brought to you by The Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC. Watch Rachel as she breaks down the big headlines for the local threads that tie them all together. It's The Rachel Maddow Show, covering America one story at a time. Weeknights at 9 Eastern, only on MSNBC. And by Prudential's 4040 Vision, a multimedia microsite exploring what life and the future looks like for today's 40-somethings. Hear what inspires real people, the hopes they have for tomorrow, and much more. See yourself in their stories at slate.com slash 4040vision slash family. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, October 8th, 2015 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So written to business news, seems like the boring business news. You got two companies, a takeover bid, phrases like shareholders to pressure management to accept his buyout offer. And the companies are, they've got those Frankenstein company names, like when two companies form and there are no spaces between the letters in the name and the names are initials, A.B. InBev, S.A.B. Miller. And then I realized... AB InBev is Anheuser-Busch InBev, and SAB Miller, the Miller Miller Beer, these are the two biggest brewers in the world. And one might take over the other, which will definitely decrease your beer enjoyment, if I know anything about duopolies becoming monopolies. So SAB Miller rejected AB InBev's $104 billion proposal. I did the billion thing where I hit the B. But these are the verbs I'm seeing in the headlines. It wasn't made interesting to me by a clever headline. Rejects proposal. Refuses to engage with proposal. No. We need headlines like SAB Miller hopping mad or takeover bid comes to a head or SAB Miller to InBev hop to it or international bitterness units on the rise or takeover bid the yeast of their worries. If you saw the yeast of their worries, you'd look into it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you could quaff that. On the show today, we go back to Brooklyn. This is the last of three sections of the live show. The second thing you're going to hear is our secret musical guest will be joined by Chris Malamphy, and we'll talk about the top songs of 1989. That's how we do. But what about that secret musical guest? It can be revealed now, and maybe you figured this out, that it was Craig Finn. He's the lead singer of The Hold Steady. He has a new album out called Faith in the Future. And here, we're going to join him on stage as he's setting up a song that he's going to play for us. And the name of that song is New Meyer's Roof. Take it away, Craig Finn. Every weeknight, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow breaks down the big headlines for the local threads that tie them all together. Sure, there's a lot of searching, and it takes a lot of work. But even in a country this big, there are no local stories. Your life and what you see from your front porch is directly connected to the national news. Watch Rachel as she connects the dots and covers America's news one story at a time. It's the Rachel Maddow Show, weeknights at 9 Eastern, only on MSNBC. So 15 years ago, uh, September 15th was just my anniversary. September 15th, 2000, I moved to New York City from Minneapolis. And uh, just under a year later, I turned 30. And then um, we had the you know, horrific events of September 11th. And uh, everyone here probably lived in New York then, and everyone has their own story. But mine was, I was working at uh, 15th Street and Union Square East at an office job. And my boss was this guy named Chris Newmeyer, my boss and my good friend. 
And when the plane hit the towers, he said, why don't we go to my place, um, which was on 2nd Avenue and 9th Street in the East Village, and get up on the roof, and we can see what we can see. And that made sense to me. So we went there, and we got up on his roof, and we could see the towers burning. And then he said the strangest thing to me. He said, um, should we get some beers? And it sounds completely inappropriate, unemotional, and totally detached today. But on that day, there was no emotion to really access. And even though it was 9.30 in the morning, it made tons of sense to me. So we went down to the deli, got some beer, and walked up to the roof. And we drank beer and watched the towers burn and eventually fall. And for some years after that, I went into sort of a darkness. I think a lot of us did. Alcohol, drugs, depression, and a divorce. That's only the first part of the story. The second part of the story is this. On the 33rd floor of the North Tower, the first tower that was hit, there was a girl. She worked as a receptionist in an investment bank, and she went to work that day. And she was at her desk, and the plane hit the tower, and they told her to stay where she was. They told everyone that. They said, that's the safest thing. But she didn't think that sounded right, so she walked out. She left. She walked away from her desk, and she went down 33 flights of stairs. And she got to the bottom, she pushed open the door, and went onto the street. And she saw there things she wished she hadn't seen, but she was able to walk away from the building. And like the rest of us, she did her best to get on with her life. Now, some years later, she went to a birthday party, and I went to that birthday party. And I saw her, and I went up and I talked to her. And we talked to her, we talked all night. And we fell in love. We're together, we live together, and uh, every time I sing this song, which is called Newmeyer's Roof, I'm so glad she didn't do what they told her to do. The song is about believing there's something better ahead. It's about light after darkness. It's about faith in the future, and it's called Newmeyer's Roof. There were the same bloodsuckers in the lobby again When they called my name I waved I thought they might be my old friends There was a cross in the car There was a pig in the pan I was in the bathroom Doing my best to ascend Downton Thomas said the party supplies He said he likes how it looks When I roll back my eyes The studio sent a car to collect me When the driver dropped me off at the lot Said he'd never forget me The publicist picked up lunch again I had a pops and some pemmican she said, man, you're so damn American Down Thomas had his eyebrows raised He said he liked me much better When I was walking away No, I've never been crucified I never suffered or died I've never been shot I've been lied to a lot 
Little hotel lobby, late night TV You're either up on the stage Or you're down on your knees Blood on my hand, ash in my wine You can see I get anxious sometimes Nails in my hand, blood in my eyes I feel pretty cool, but I know I look fried All these tall tales, now one tiny truth Saw the towers go down from up on Neumeyer's roof Yeah, we were frightened Yeah, we were drinking, it was all so confusing Dalton Thomas went and talked to the cops He said this sure seems like an inside job No, i never been crucified I never suffered or died i never been shot But I've been lied to a lot Yeah, well, hotel bar Got the game on TV You're either up on the lights Or you're out on the streets Man, we always want more But we get what we need I saw your girl at the movies she seems pretty sweet Dalton Thomas has a cynical take He said the more you destroy The more that you make No, I've never been crucified i never suffered or died I've never been shot I've been lied to a lot Well, look at these mountains Look at these trees Tom, there must be something you believe Well, look at these mountains, look at these trees Tom, there must be something you believe Tom, there must be something Tom, there must be something you believe Tom, there must be something Tom, there must be something Tom, there must be something you believe That was great, Craig. 
Thank What's you. What's a pemmican? <laughs> Paps and pemmican. What's Pemmican's pemmican? Like, like beef jerky. Ah, you know that is American. At least I think that's what it means. Not Sometimes, only does it rhyme, conveniently rhyme with American, it, it is, is American. It is pretty American. You'd be hard pressed to find uh, I, find it outside. It reminds me of pills and poppers, poppers and pills. Another lyric of yours, the P words. Yeah, they, yeah. they drive sound men crazy. Right? P words. Yeah. <laughs> when I notice, so I'm a big consumer of everything from the Hold Steady, and I notice a difference, an obvious difference between the big rousing rock band and the you know personal album obviously the choruses are going to be less rousing the songs are not going to be massive a song like massive nights but it's even as if if you were a director the hold steady would be the budget for that for shooting the scenes of a hold steady song would be fairly big and the budget for this is it's like a one-act play yeah it's a, it's like the talkie movie you know dinner at andre or dinner with andre <laughs> or something where you just talk a lot now uh, you know the whole steady the music i i only write the lyrics in the whole steady so the music is so big i'm i'm you know i'm always thinking big things cinematic yes. things someone has to get shot someone has to fall off a roof etc where with the solo records it's uh I don't want to say mundane because it's exciting to me, but things are a little more personal, maybe vulnerable and, you know, maybe resemble my own, my own real life actually more. Like if the set of a hold steady song would be a water tower, the set would be a demonstration. The kids, the boys and girls, the set here is a small room. The set here is a bar. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's, it's happening on, on a much more, Sort of everyday level, I think. With if the you tried to write a song like some of these songs for the Hold Steady, would uh, your guitarist Ted he writes the music? Yeah, he writes the, the majority of the music. Would he rouse it up? I mean, would would they not really work? Do you think if you if, if you submitted these lyrics to me, so I don't know what to do with this. No, I mean. <laughs> It, it sort of happens differently. So usually the music comes first with the whole say I'm writing to the music. So I'm matching feelings to the, the big yes. feeling already. But, you know, if you tried to, like if I tried to write a personal, a really personal song for the whole steady about going to the grocery store and then the post office, it wouldn't really match the, the bigness of the music. Unless you listed like all the post office in Minnesota one by one and the road, the winding road. No, that wouldn't I don't think that would yeah. be that exciting yeah. either. So, Craig, do you know what polysyndeton is? Uh, I think so. Polysyndeton, we've discussed it on the gist. It's instead of using, it's like a, a, an allergy to commas. Instead of using commas, you say and or or as your conjunctions. You list them out. And I have noticed a tendency with you to do this, like in... We drink and we dry up and now we crumble in the dust We we corrode and now we're covered up in rust And then there's also And the hard trucks are for the bartenders And the kitchen workers and the bartenders' friends And they're playing it again And even on your solo stuff, you'll come across this it's not simple, it's exhausting and confusing and it's scary and complex. So I love this technique. I think it's uh, grandiose. Milton used it. The Bible uses it. Why do you like it? Well, <laughs> there's two reasons. And uh, I'll go with the sort of the, the, the cool one first is that I think things are more than one thing. You know, I think yes. about my favorite, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite bands are R.E.M. So think about End of the world, you know? That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and airplanes, and Lenny Bruce is not afraid. So 
it, you know, of course, bird snakes and airplanes might fit together, but then you've got this whole other thought. Lenny Bruce was not afraid because life isn't always just one thing and it's always not always linear. Things are coming into your mind and I think that's a reflection of real life. And I believe art and music and books, whatever, the great moments are where you're like, I've felt that same way too. You know, like you, you, you think you're reading something, you're like, I felt that same way. And it's, there's not one exact word that sums it up, but it's all these things. And I believe that it's that all that duality that, that you're trying to capture and you're saying, you know, I'm trying to pay attention to driving, but man, this song I'm listening to is great too. And there's all these things. And then that, by the way, that is the cool thing. That yeah, is the cool yeah, answer. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> the, the more technical thing is, is that I'm a pretty poor singer. So I never do like a one word, one syllable never lasts two beats. You know what I mean? So I'm very matching syllables to the, to the melody I come up with. So I need syllables sometimes. Because so that I'll would say, make you hold the note too long. You don't yeah, trust yourself right. to do that. So I would go birds and yeah. snakes. So you're not I'd a melisma guy. snakes and airplane. You know? You're not a woo. Yeah. You, don't do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- you would suck on American Idol. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get past little the, pitchy, uh, bro. I wouldn't get past the uh, the, yeah. uh, con- the whatever the uh, convention center on the outskirts of town. <laughs> the another, I mean, gosh, I don't want to geek out. I could go all day. One day, I'll corner you and ask you about the presence of the unreliable narrator in the song Knuckles. But some nights. This is a phrase that shows up in so many of your songs. Let's see, Pain Avenue, some nights it's painful and strange, some nights it seems distressed and deranged, Big Sig from Teeth Dreams, your last Hold Steady album, some nights she's a magic trip, some nights she's a sinking ship, Stevie Nicks, some nights we, ne- we just need to get touched and rub up, rub up against something plush, and on this album, going to a show, some nights it just seems like the same old thing, some nights it's like a new frontier. I think it's evocative, you know, I imagine maybe it's like, all right, I need to prompt myself. If I say some nights, maybe something will flow from that. I do like the idea of sort of a syntax you're working with. Um, like one of my favorite bands when I was a kid was the Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. And on the first album, he, he says stupid like 17, 20 times. And I love a songwriter that repeats himself. I, I think that's a way to kind of insert some personality, your own personality in there. But some nights, I mean, I feel like because... Rock and roll kind of takes place at night, you know? So, yeah. And, and you leave the house hoping, uh, you know, it's that Bruce Springsteen step into the night. Um, you, There's you something leave the in house, the night. Something in the night. Yeah. You're leaving the house trying to get something. If you're single, maybe it's to meet someone. But even if you're not single, you know, and you're talking about the song on my record, going to a show, it's, it's to try to find something that gets you out of your skin. Other than Chips Ahoy about a horse race, what's Hold Steady or Craig Finn song takes place during the day, for sure? Um... That's a good question. Uh, uh, what's what? Uh, didn't do that one. Uh, I don't know. Is, is there one? <laughs> it's the one daytime song. So you're doing an outdoor concert during the day, and you're like, guys, imagine it being dusk. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, night night is sort of the domain, right? Yup. Craig, I'm a huge fan of your work. I want to thank you for uh, coming. And now a quick break from the live show, which you could tell because you know how to listen. And you're like, wait, Mike's in the studio now. But a word from our sponsor. Today's 40-somethings are charting their own courses, sometimes by choice, many times out of necessity. Caring for aging parents, 
starting new careers midlife, juggling today's financial realities with planning for retirement, and a lot more. Prudential's 4040 vision brings these challenges and others into sharper focus through real life interviews and commentaries from 40 somethings, plus a compelling four part podcast on first time parenthood in your 40s with radio and television personality Faith Saley. Be sure to experience it all at slate.com slash 4040vision slash family. And now I want to join, I want to ask to come on to the stage, Mr. Chris Malamphy, who writes the, how did this song get to be number one column for Slate? I want to tell you guys, I always get the name of that column wrong. Chris, what is the actual name of the column? Uh, It's why is this song number one, Mike? This song being number one, huh? That's Chris Malamphy's column. And (laughs) what we do is we we take a year and we dissect some of the number one songs for the year. So I was born in 1971. How about you, Chris? I too was born in 1971. How about you, Craig? Also 1971. So when we were juniors or seniors in high school, I think you guys told me you were junior. You guys were seniors when I was a junior. The songs of 1989 were number one. Let's talk about it. Sure, why not? So the first number one song, I believe, was a holdover from 88. Right. Every Rose Has Its Thorn. (laughs) Oh my God. Exactly. You all know the words. And lyrically, you can do no wrong. Every rose has its thorn. Every cowboy has its song. Right. Every mower needs a lawn. Every fertility clinic has some porn. Right. After dusk, it is the morn. Some fetuses get born. I mean, there's no this way to go wrong. What let's, can you tell us about let, every let's rose? Give Brett, let's give Brett Michaels of Poison a little credit that he correctly punctuated its. Can, can we all just give him a, a big thumbs up for that? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm among nerds here, right? We're all nerds. We care about this sort of thing. It's, he got that right. Where, where does this song fit? Maybe you want to talk about like power ballads or... Yeah, I mean, this is like kind of the beginning of the dying of the hair metal star, you know, like, you know, if we, if we look at, I mean, the eighties was the metal decade, right. And, and we look at the, the rise in the first half of the decade of bands like Van Halen, you and I talked about Van Halen when we talked about 1984 and then, you know, you have Bon Jovi who are my nemesis, but they, 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 uh, you know, kind of really codified what hair metal became you know it became like not just like teen boy music but it became like top 40 radio music right and they you know après la deluge you know after after bon jovi it was just like you know open season for any band that had a hook and yeah. some makeup or, or a reference to cowboys or right? a reference to right <laughs> on, on a steel horse i ride a, i'm a, a cowboy a, yeah yeah exactly what the hell bon jovi's from jersey what kind of cowboy do you yeah i don't know <laughs> So uh, I think Brent Michaels is from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but they obviously formed in L.A. And, you know, this is Poison's only number one hit. And God, I mean, it must be like the bulk of the royalties at this point, although they had a lot of hits. I don't want to diss Poison yeah. because like they, you know, Unskinny Bop and I don't know, uh, Nothing But A Good Time. They, they, they had a lot of hits, but this is their, their only number one. Would you ever play it? Would you ever do a cover of that one, Craig? No, I have unhappy. <laughs> well... I, I was when I was found out that this song came out in '89. I I was surprised because, or I I, I in the the New Year's Eve going in '89 out of '88 '89. Right. Uh, 
I went to a party with my then girlfriend and she got really sick and she was throwing up in the bathroom and I remember watching MTV New Year's Eve and they were playing this song. So I, yeah. I have it locked in, but I thought maybe it didn't go, went number one the year before. <laughs> so a little surprise. Did, but did you, you guys something. stay together past New Year's? Uh, till May. Okay. <laughs> That's a long-term relationship in high school. Yeah, Congrats. that's pretty good. Thank yeah. you. I always thought that they should do a monster rock tour with the hair metal bands of that era, that era and call it the uh, poisonous, poisonous Great White Snake Tour. Right. <laughs> that could and you work. could get Warrant in it. That whole yeah. second wave, you know, Skid Row. That's all 89 music right there. Cod pieces galore. Co- oh, heck yeah. Ugh. Okay, so what, dis- what displaced this from number one? That displaced this from number yeah. one. Yeah, Mr. Whitney Houston, uh, future Mr. Whitney Houston, uh, replaced Poison at number one. That's uh, my prerogative. Uh, Bobby's uh, only solo number one hit. Uh, and uh, the reason I, I wanted to talk about because, this one, Wait, he had number one hits with... Uh, what, not Mr. New Edition, no. no. He, he had one other number one hit that I actually wrote about oddly for Slate in 1990, which was a terrible song called uh, She Ain't Worth It with a teen idol named Glenn Medeiros. So he, he had two number one hits. But for all intents and purposes, this is his like best known number one hit and know that what's important about my prerogative is it's the first big uh number one new jack swing song new jack swing is kind of like an interesting transitional short-lived r&b slash hip-hop movement that basically is is the first attempt at hybridizing Uh, rap which was then ascendant with r&b music and you know kind of it had the swagger of hip-hop but it was still you know melodic and bobby became kind of its avatar was was boys to men kind of the one song what what was the song that was their big first hit was that a lot of one the first big one was motown philly yeah so was that new jack swing there's a reference to new jack i mean it's kind of like tail end of New Jack Swing and, and it comes out of New Jack Swing because they were discovered by another member of New Edition, Michael Bivens of Bell Biv DeVoe. So there's definitely a connection there. But like, yeah, you know, this is like that 80s moment of like Keith Sweat and, you know, and it's, it's that moment when hip hop has not completely taken over pop radio yet. It's going to in the 90s, mm-hmm. but now they've, they're figuring out ways to hybridize hip hop with R&B and pop and, you know, make huge hits out of it. What, what's your relationship to hip hop? Mine? Yeah, did you listen to it then? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, De La Soul, we were looking at things back. De La Soul came out that year, and that was like a really big record uh, in my high school at parties and all that. Um, but also, was Self-Destruction, did we say, came out? Yeah, it was 89, too, Self-Destruction yeah. was, was the uh, kind of uh, all-star cast um, anti-violence, which I think was headed by Keras one That was a big song. I went to this teen like dance nightclub on uh-huh. Sunday nights, and that was the one that everyone got out on the floor for. <laughs> Because it went on forever. Oh, I, I yeah. stayed on the floor. Yeah. It was like yeah. a Springsteen concert and a hip-hop yeah. song. Yeah. And 89 is uh, also Fight the Power, Public Enemy. Yeah. It came yeah. out in, it's in the lyrics, 1989. 1989, the number. Sure. Is there a zeitgeist thing going on here? What is the theme of 89 that we could take away? Be- I mean, it's post-Reagan. It's first year George W. Bush. It's pre-recession. There's power ballads. There's not a lot of rap. There's no rap on the list. There's no, I mean, no number ones. There's a couple of, a couple that come close. Like Tone Loke has a number two hit with Wild Thing. That's kind of like a good song. A warning shot of what's about to happen. No, I mean this is like quite literally in terms of the calendar and in terms of what's 
going to number one, it's the throat clearing for the 90s. I mean, mm. this is kind of like you're getting a little sneak preview of, you know, whether it's the new Jack Swing leading into hip hop or, you know, it's the next phase of Madonna or it's, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like clearing the decks of everything, you've the, the hair metal, like, you know, the last gasp of hair metal. You've got that Bon Jovi record. You've got that Poison record. It's, it's clearing the decks of everything that you've been listening to for the last nine years and you know. Yeah, pretty much coincides with the ban on chlorofluorocarbons, so that did put a dent in the ha hair metal. And Chris Malampi and Greg Finn, thank you guys. And that's it for today's show. The guests at the live show, and you don't even know this, but here's who they were. Robert Smith, Zoe Chase, Samantha B, Adam Davidson, Matthew Dix, Harry Anton, Chris Malampi, Maria Konnikova, Chris Wirtz, and Craig Finn. Slate staff was there, including Julia Turner, who knows that every fetus must get born. Jennifer Lai, who knows that every Anne Hathaway move engenders scorn. Nicholas Quao knows that every Thanksgiving dinner comes with corn. Henry Malofsky, who believes that every lawn should get mown. Aaron Bergen, who will tell you that every road leads to Rome. Faith Smith, who believes that every orchestra should include a French horn. Our producer, Andrea Salenzi, who maintains that every McEnroe one day loses to Bourne, and Andy Bowers, the executive producer, who will tell you if you ask him that every podiatrist should extract a corn. The gist, making corn jokes twice, oomperu, deperu, duperu, and thanks for listening.